We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me want to... With the ninth pick in the 2019 NFL Draft... The Buffalo Bills select Ed Oliver, defensive tackle, Houston. Probably uh, explosiveness, athleticism, uh, something that you you can't find in every D tackle. I feel like my skill set is rare. Uh, it's a rare combination of size and speed. Um, I feel like I can help uh, the guys rushing outside. I can get pressure up the middle and help the guys outside get set. Everybody to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was Roger Goodell and Ed Oliver from NFL Network. Folks, thank God it's it's all over but the crying at this point. The 2019 NFL draft is in the books. First of all, a huge shout out to Rock Sports Network for having me on their panel again for another draft show out at 34 Rush. Chris, that was a pretty good time, right? Yeah, you face-planted on the table when we took Singletary. So. <laughs> Everyone loves the fact that I come off the rails when things don't go the way I want them to. It's the personality, right? I just have that working for me. Folks, I'm not going to waste any time. We don't have any news other than draft talk. And here in studio with us tonight to help us parse through this, we have a guest. Purveyor of Cleveland Browns hot takes. The Cleveland Browns roster is better than the Buffalo Bills, and they will have more wins than the Bills in 2017. Browns are going to win the division and make the playoffs. Host of Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio, Nate Geary. Cleveland City of Light, City of Magic. Cleveland City of Light. Uh, Mr. Geary, how are you doing this evening? I bet a six-pack <clears throat> pretty recently. Whole six-pack. A whole sixer. Oh, six-pack of Seagram's. That's right. Baker Mayfield finishing second and MVP or voting. better and in MVP, voting. MVP yeah. voting. And they make the playoffs in a separate bet. That's yeah. right. Division and playoffs. That's kind of like a double-edged sword. Jesus. I mean, Nate, I got to ask you, what is with the love affair of the Cleveland Browns? 
Lovable Help me loser. understand it. Lovable loser. They've done what the Bills could never, never actually accomplish, which was be at rock bottom for so long that you, you don't even really know which way is up. It's, uh, you know, Chris, tell us about it. You've, you've been in that, in that place before. <laughs> I'm always there. I'm still there. <laughs> so there's something endearing about that to you. Plus, you love Baker. Yeah. I do. I like Baker a lot. Enough like, to, to second MVP voting? Yeah, he's ready. That, that's going to be a good football team. they got a ton of weapons on the offense. They're talking about trading for Gerald McCoy and adding Gerald McCoy to Olivier Vernon and also Miles Garrett. Ed is a sick – oh, and Sheldon Richardson as well. Oh. Um, so that is – I mean, talk about that defensive line. It might be one of the best that I can remember in a pretty long while. Here's what I'll tell you. I feel sorry. I feel sorry for your family. I feel sorry mm. for your girlfriend, and most of all, I feel sorry for you when the diabetes that all of these Seagrams you're going to owe us kick in. It's going to be atrocious, and I'm going to... My I, girlfriend's I, actually going to have to probably be there, because she's going to have to drive me. <laughs> to the dentist? <laughs> to the, the dentist, both. Right from here. We're going to have to do it in the afternoon so we can get to the dentist. Now, speaking of your girlfriend, as we are leading into this conversation about the 2019 NFL Draft, Nate, Nate has a humorous story about... His non-football understanding girlfriend and her, I guess, her understanding of Nate Mm. as a person when it comes to the NFL draft. And is really starting to get a full, you know, full understanding, a full spectrum of understanding. And and the funny thing is this would have been Wednesday evening of last week. So a week ago today. Mm -hmm. We're sitting down. She's doing some work on the laptop. I'm making my own mock draft, watching a mock draft. So... I'm full on, you know, I'm, I am full on nerding I'm out, full on nerding out, you know, my, my computer's rocking back and forth from the, from the boner that I've got, you know, <laughs> just watching football and, 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 you know, and, and making this mock draft. And so you know, I think it was maybe the Minnesota Vikings pick. The guy comes up, uh, the 20 is the ESPN one. So it was like the live nation, all of the, mm-hmm. all of the team reporters for ESPN were doing it. And it's like, with the you know nineteenth pick in the twenty nineteen you know ESPN mock draft, and she was like, she looks at me, she's like, I thought the draft was was tomorrow. I was like, oh yeah, it's it's actually Thursday, Friday, or, yeah, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And she's like, well, it's Wednesday, and I'm like, well, this is a mock draft. And she kind of <laughs> she looked at me, and 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 for the context of it, she this is the first time that we've been together for the draft. Mm-hmm. Um. We started talking right around, you know, like this time last year. You know, and so she didn't know how into no it you are. She had no idea. But not only that, she had never really been around a person, a person who e- or even understands or watches <laughs> with any sort of. So when you explain to her that you're watching a draft and making your own draft that isn't a real draft, you you almost see the wheels start to turn. Well, the into problem that. was, as I said to her, it's a mock draft. And then the look that she gave me was sort of like, um, like questioning the word mock. So I had to just, I, what I said was, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fake draft. And when I said that, like that was really when like the wheels fell off the bus. Like she was like, a fake draft. I'm like, yeah, do you want to see mine? Do you want to see mine that I'm making right now? I'm just actually typing out why I think the Bills should pick TJ Hawkinson, Iowa, tight end. Uh, Did you want to know anything about Iowa's system? I could tell you a little bit about what made Nate Stanley, the quarterback, someone that really couldn't utilize two tight ends. She just, you know. Did she just glaze over? 
so embarrassing. And just really, <laughs> what it did is, you know, she, you know, the first time you guys met her when we were at Anchor, or when we were at uh, O'Neill's. And uh, yeah, when we were at O'Neill's for when you uh, when you pooped out all that awful, awful hot sauce. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, I can only imagine what your girlfriend had to, she probably had to prep the bathroom before you got home. No, she went to sleep and I ate popsicles and drank ginger ale until it's four in the morning. Yeah, well, <laughs> so what else could you do? Um, but yeah, no, it was one of those things where, you know, when you're, the first time, that's right, I was telling you, it started about the first time she met you. So like, I, I kind of prepped her, I'm like, <clears throat> most people... I was like, just the nerdiness that of, of what we do, it, in the grand scheme of things, when I'm thinking when I'm younger, when I used to call kids nerds, it's not because they were, you know, us doing podcasts talking about football <laughs> and are talking about our favorite teams, right? But like, nowadays, that's like kind of what a nerd is, you know? Uh, luckily, none of us live in our mother's basement, because had that been the situation, had we been sharing... Uh, a, a nice microwave meal in the basement of my parents' house while we were while we were watching this mock draft, and she turned to me and said mock draft, and I told her that it was a fake draft, but I also live in my parents' basement. That would have been a much more that would have been a very difficult conversation to have. No, I I can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean that that sounds atrocious. I, <laughs> luckily for you, the real draft came and went. I did. And, and folks, that's the meat and potatoes of tonight's draft. Nate, thank you so much for coming and joining us. Guys, cheers. Let's kick this bastard off. 2019 NFL Draft Recap. I mean, first of all, as a whole, every year we go into the draft and there's some storylines that football fans everywhere, regardless of what your allegiance is, you're kind of forced to pay attention to. In 2016, it was the Laramie Tunsil incident. Mm, that's right. In Bongs 2000- and <laughs> gas, gas masks. masks. In 2018, it was this idea that this was going to be the quarterback class of a decade. Mm. That this was going to be one of the best. You know, so even teams that didn't have any skin in the game, were they? those teams were willing to pay attention yeah. to what was going on around them, even if it didn't directly impact their fan base. So... This year, what was one of your favorite storylines of the draft? That Daniel Jones is pretty much the 2019 version of Josh Allen. Like, the most polarizing. Everyone says he stinks, that he had no business being a first-round pick. Uh, Everything else like that. I mean, basically, you're talking about... Basically, you're hearing the same things you heard about Josh Allen, right? Like, isn't accurate... I mean, not the exact same things, but the the amount of I heard how was, polarizing he I was. I heard he was Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah, if you listen to Gil Brandt. I also saw something like he's Eli Manning, except doesn't look like he just stepped in shit or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> mm. Oh, I'll tell you, there, there's just so many surprising things. I mean, first of all, for me, Incredible story. The rise and fall of DK Metcalf. Yeah. You know what the other thing was, too? This is what I want to bring up is the anxiety that everyone had in Bill's Mafia when the draft started that the Bills were potentially moving up to number three. And it was like a storyline. When they when the Jets picked Quinn Williams at three, there was still this sense of, uh, well, is there a trade in place? And that the Bills just have to pick someone at nine that they agreed to turn. Because that, that's what all these rumors are floating around. I'm like, first of all, first of all. I will admit that it was probably. I think it might have been Mike Shope that stirred up stirred up that pot. Of course, and he got did. people and got oh, people a little excited about that. Of course, he did. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think 
I wouldn't have been all that mad had they came away with Quinn Williams in this draft. I'm just I'm not going to No, no, not at all. It's fine. They ended up with Ed Oliver, who well, I think is the second best defensive player. And that's it. But so when you look at the way it panned out, I mean, you were t- first you were hearing rumblings of the trade up. And you're sitting here thinking that if from if you've listened to any of the talking heads or you've talked to people who quote unquote know things. And you you had this sense that oh well the Bills have to take an offensive playmaker. There's no way they can go defense, even though conventional wisdom says line play is more important than all these ancillary things. It's something we raged about for the last two weeks of our show right before the draft. So, I mean, Chris actually has some fantastic GIF images of me just agonizing oh, over yeah. the two I mean, picks. Literally, I look like a mental patient. Mm. Have you just, not seen him? No. Oh, I will. I will that, that leading I'll up, up to Please. our pick. Because I was just beside myself with this concept of, oh my God, they might screw this up. I mean, yeah. I mean, and the, the DK Metcalf thing feeds right into that. I mean, that's the storyline of the draft for me. Here's a guy that, I mean, how does a guy that every pundit out there pegged is at least, at a minimum, a first round draft pick? Everyone calls him a first round pick, says, oh, the Bills had to take him at nine. If he didn't go at nine, he'd go at 17. He's. The, Every team in football passed on him not once but twice. Twice, yeah. How how does that happen? You know, and and I'm not. I really. I'm looking at DK Metcalf as like my my fantasy rookie go to player. Between him and Josh Jacobs, DK Metcalf went to a perfect situation. Doug Baldwin's going to retire. He's going to be their number one outside receiver. I mean, good for him. Yeah, he went into a great situation, but it's kind of crazy that. It worked out the way that it did, that he lasted as long as he did. I think the other thing is Hakeem Butler. Everyone was, and it's funny because a lot of the people that Twitter talked about, you know, didn't get drafted. And one of the guys that I was higher on, and I think a lot of people were higher on, and Tyree Jackson not getting drafted at all was a pretty, it was a pretty incredible storyline considering I wasn't the only person that I had him, you know, within the top five or six quarterbacks in this draft. It, it was, you know, it, it the fact that he was now a Buffalo Bill is a whole other story, but... Well, no, and that's just it. It's, you you look at this, and I guess that's the thing, too. Hakeem Butler was another guy. Talked about, and maybe that's the bigger story here, is the lack of love for wide receivers in this draft. Considering the depth, how much, how deep the uh, position was. But I think, and I talked about this while I was on, that I think how deep the position was, the, the fact that there was such a small difference between the fourth best wide receiver in the draft and the 16th best wide receiver in the draft, that their value kept getting pushed down because teams kept saying, well, we can just wait till next round and get a guy that's two, you know, the the seventh best wide receiver instead of the fifth, and we're still just as high on that guy. Oh, absolutely. So every everyone just kind of get got pushed on the board. Well, so and then so I guess with the way the draft fell, every year there's some there's always some conversation over overdrafted or underdrafted, where players went you know what you can argue over what value is but i think that there are some cases every season that we can point to for both that you just know flat out to a man there's a player that got overdrafted there's a player that fell and no one understands why great value for that team who's a player in this draft that you think got overdrafted daniel jones is the easy answer but i'm not here to give easy no, answers no we're not here for softballs not- folks I'm not here for We're easy professionals. I think, kind of. I think another easy answer, though, is clearly the fourth overall pick, the Oakland Raiders taking... <laughs> Clellan Farrell. Clellan Farrell. That was really just a head-scratching move. Um, no wonder they sent their scouts home. And, and I saw a great... Something, someone tweeted this. It's like, no wonder they sent their scouts home. Had they... They, they didn't even need to send their scouts home. That was, the, that was the thing. Because had somebody told, that, 
told anyone that they were taking Cleveland Farrell number four overall, everyone would have laughed them off. And he, they, they would have assumed it was a lie. Correct. They would have assumed that this is correct. clearly a smokescreen. That's a, his. When they showed him on ESPN, you could tell like some of his family members weren't even in the room. Right? They were no, like, wait, wait, wait. We went four. What? She. Oh shit! We don't even have everyone in the goddamn fuck. Right. Oh, you saw shit. everyone losing their shit, and half his family wasn't even in the room. It, people were streaming in from every doorway. That's chaos right there. That's anarchy. Yeah. yeah well, Mayock himself, I think, said that he had. Farrell and Bosa rated the same. Okay, well that's, <laughs> that's... yo. Listen for the next podcast. Let's let's do some research and find out what drugs Mike Mayock was doing for the draft, <laughs> and we'll do them right before the podcast. <laughs> if I had to pick a guy for my candidate for most overdrafted player of the draft, it's the one that got the biggest laugh out of our entire table during the second round of Patavia Downs, and that's Jelani Tavai Tavi linebacker out of Hawaii, and that's for Cleveland. Taken by the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions, Lions that's right. Wait, 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 wait. Drew Sample wasn't the guy, wasn't your overdrafted? He was uh, like tight end number 15. He was the third tight end taken, fourth tight end here, taken. Here's why. First of all, I don't know the last time a University of Hawaii defensive player was drafted mm. in the top three rounds. Okay. RIP Cole Brennan, though. Uh, okay. And it was such a reach. You're in the top two rounds. If you made a pick... You have a ton of st- the the guys, the analysts, the pundits on TV still have a ton of time to kill in between each pick because it's the second round. I think everybody still gets what like seven minutes or eight minutes between picks. The ESPN analysts glossed right over it. They didn't even try to discuss it. They were just like, "Oh, they took that linebacker." What were we just talking about before the uh, Lions fucked that one up? I, I mean, think about it. The Lions did have. Not a great draft. Not a great draft? Holy fuck. Okay, most pundits had a third to fifth round grade on him because apparently he struggles in coverage and isn't the best athlete. And they just drafted a middle linebacker in the first round two years ago. And so they take another one at the second. Oh, good. Good for you, Detroit Lions. Somewhere Matt Stafford threw a beer at his TV. That's it. I, I imagine what it's... I mean, think about that. Between that and the pick of TJ Hawkinson at number nine. I liked Hawkinson. At number eight? Yeah. I liked Hawkinson there, too. That's the fa- the face in that gift. That's when I was watching the Lions on the clock going, yeah. please. Hand on the forehead. That's, please take that. And when they Hawkinson took Hawkinson, I, I think I celebrated harder for that pick than I did for our own first-round mm, draft pick. Correct. Because I knew he couldn't wear a Bills uniform. And I'd like to well, think. Well, like he wouldn't fit in it? I mean, that's. It's literally the third tight end that they've drafted in the first round when Matt Stafford's been there. Yeah. This is a court. Do you think he's sick of getting his ass kicked every single Sunday and every single season? Draft a tackle, you sons of bitches. Get me a center. Nope. We're going to go out and we're going to get you another tight end, Matt Stafford. That's going to get us to the Super Bowl. Woo! And then if I had to take a candidate for underdrafted, you're talking about mm. exquisite value. Mm. There's a guy here. And it exquisite. Actually, and as much as I hate John Elway, as much as I hate what he's... You drew locking us right now? Well, this is what I hate about what he's done out there is his lack of, lack of ability at finding a, a quarterback. Yeah. And when he took Noah got Fant Joe Flacco in the first in his, round, in his prime. I laughed my ass. Oh, yeah, quote-unquote, in his prime. <laughs> he's an ass. I don't care what he says. He's not in his prime. A Republican. But what I'll say is that especially when your quarterback is Joe Flacco, 
You played NFL draft chicken by taking a tight end in the first round. That's a with all the talent that's left on the board. That's that, that's aging wide receivers. That's that's a dice roll. They you have a good offensive line, and they got. It did. They get to get a second. Then they get a offensive lineman. They, I don't even know. I don't uh, care because here's what I know. They took Drew Locke when not. he fell to them in the second round. Now again, you another team could have said, "Hey, you know, the Dolphins could have said, hey, you know what? We want that pick, and we're going to trade up to get him.'" Another team, the Cincinnati Bengals, anybody could have done it. No one did, and Drew Locke fell to them. Now here's Drew Locke was my QB too. Now exactly, and now here's what I'll say. If the roles had been... Because there's people who are just laughing. Dalton Risner. Dalton Risner. Okay, so that's it. So now here's the thing. Everyone wants to badger John Elway for that pick of Noah Fant in the first round. That's right. But you got arguably the second best quarterback in the entire draft. The second second best quarterback. Better than Dwayne Haskins. Not a Dwayne Haskins fan over here. Now, ultimately, if the picks were reversed and Drew Locke was the first round pick and Noah Fant was the second round pick, would we hear any of this? There would be no complaints. No. No. In no. fact, people would be calling him a genius. Yeah. Ergo, I think that that makes Drew Locke probably the most underrated pick of the draft because it saved John Elway's draft. True or false? Someone get in the ring with me on this. I like that pick. I like the Dalton Risner pick. Well, all I can think about Drew is the um, the playoff game. Balt- playoff. Baltimore. Joe Flacco sitting between Robert Griffin and uh, Lamar Jackson, mm. and they're like they're. What you have like the, you took the photo of it during the playoff game. They're like they're like leaning behind Joe Flacco, trying to talk to each other about the game plan, and Joe Flacco's just sitting there offering leaned, no advice. Joe Flacco leaned forward so that RG three and Lamar Jackson could have could a conversation talk to him behind him. Yes. behind him. <clears throat> Good for him. Like, he's, he's like, Flacco, you know what? I'm not willing to yeah. move, but I'm also not willing to help you. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so I'll get out of your way. Yeah, I don't think Flacco is going to help out I'm sure this Locke is gonna go at well. all. That that's what my brain went to when you they know, took Locke. The Broncos, I didn't think Flacco would do. The Broncos are that. a weird team, right? But I, you know, the, their their composition, the defense. Von Miller's getting older. He's still in his probably in his prime. Flacco, honestly, Flacco will probably be revived with the high altitude up there. His arm will have a little bit more liveliness to it. I'm I'm, I'm dead serious. I think I think he'll have a better season. Depending on Emmanuel Sanders, how he comes back from the Achilles injury that he had, Deshaun Hamilton was a nice pickup two years ago, last year, out of Penn State. He's a player that came around. Cortland Sutton was a nice little player that came around for them last year. So they, they've got some weapons at the wide receiver. They've got who I thought. I really liked Noah Font a lot. I, I, I ranked them both very equally, him and Hawkinson. Really, mm-hmm. the difference was what Noah Font lacked in blocking that TJ Hawkinson had. I thought Noah Font replaced, made up for, made up for in, in, in his ability, in his athletic ability, his catching prowess, that thing, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but I th- in terms of like most underdrafted player, um, is it, I'd say, say, I'd say Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen drops to number seven, and Jacksonville's foaming at the mouth that, that yeah. Josh Allen fell to them. Yeah. Mo- most people, and, 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 yeah. and I thought, I mean, Cleveland Farrell helped, <laughs> helped <laughs> right, just laugh it out. Cleveland Farrell, Cleveland Farrell helped. Can't get enough of this. Claude Farrell going number four to the Raiders in this super secret draft. That's right, the super secret draft plan where they had a they had a uh, they had the Men in Black thing where they had to blind all of their scouts. No, but like I look, I think of it this way, right? Like that draft pick probably 
had five GMs all say, holy shit, we're going to get the guy that we want. Mm-hmm. Because think about it this way. I guarantee Jacksonville doesn't get Josh Allen. They're probably talking about trading out of that pick. They're not taking Juwan Taylor like everyone thought that they were going to take. Juwan Taylor yeah. falls to the second round, and they end up getting him anyways, which is such a great move. Jacksonville had another, the two teams, other than Josh Allen being, I think, the most underdrafted guy, the two teams that I thought really won the draft, especially early, I thought Jacksonville won the draft early, and I also thought Washington had a just up. Just a fucking great draft. Like, Washington, for Dan Snyder being the guy at the helm, calling that draft. Like, I, I'm not a Dwayne Haskins fan, but I'm a Dwayne Haskins fan at 15. Well, not yeah, trading up for him. Not trade up yeah. for him. And he I'm a huge you? Terry okay. McLaurin fan. Loved, and I love that they team him up with his, his former teammate at Ohio State. Sweat. And then they get Montez Sweat. They trade back into the first round. They get Montez Sweat. He was a player I really liked. Right. And they've got Ryan Kerrigan, who is the most underrated pass rusher in football, does get not you. get enough. I would give you that. He's very underrated. underrated. So, so a 10-sack right. a year guy. So you can declare them winners of this draft. Yeah, they now, had a really good draft. Every draft has winners and losers. Now, you just pointed out two teams that won, and it's hard to argue with that logic because you're talking, again, a team that got two dynamic players at positions of need, offense and defense. Now, I take a look at the losers because I'm petty, and I like to see people suffer. The two biggest losers from this draft – I mean, I think we've already beat him up a little bit here in uh, Mike Mayock. But GM's Mike Mayock and Steve Kime. I mean, Steve Kime, this fucking guy. Last season, he traded away a third and a fifth rounder to move up five spots to draft Josh Rosen. Fast forward almost a year and a day. He's shipping that player away for an extremely late second round pick. Yeah. Because he drafted Kyler Murray at number one overall. So if I can play owner for a minute, I own an NFL team, and you're telling me that a GM, my GM, that gave up a lot of capital to acquire a player and just spent millions of dollars hiring a head coach, and a year later they're both cashing paychecks somewhere else in less than a calendar year, I'm somehow supposed to trust that he's the guy that I should... I, I should somehow entrust him. I mean, also, let's not forget the $2 million offensive line and the rest of that vomit-inducing That's roster. That's a bad offensive line. He's the man it. that I'm trusting <clears throat> to construct this, and I'm trusting him to pick the right head coach and quarterback again. I, like, I want to go on record. I do like Cliff Kingsbury. Fuck Cliff Kingsbury. Fuck Kyler Murray. He should have gone and played baseball. I don't think this wow. is going to end well for anybody. And. Another thing that's not going to end well for anybody, including Raiders fans, is this Mike Mayock experiment. I'm sorry, if you're an analyst, (laughs) if you're an analyst who's, this is your... Seagram's. Seagram's bet. Sounds like a Seagram's. I'm hearing hearing a two-year Seagram's bet right here, where I would like you to put a bet on where the Arizona Cardinals are at the end of the 2020 season. Not the playoffs. Because I'll take the opposite. Okay. There it is. It just happened. See, the folks. Playoffs? The playoffs. I don't know if I'm really. Uh, come <laughs> on. You, you, you opened this door. How about this? How about this? <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, coach or not coach by the end of the 2020 season? It's he's two still, years. He's still the coach, but he's a coach under fire. If he's on the hot seat, if there's talk about him being on the hot seat. You're, you're gonna, we're going to need some harder parameters. Yeah, I think so. I we think need hard- we're going to hash the rest of this We will. The details will happen. Yeah. So when you look at Oakland fans, how are they supposed to feel? I mean, I, I, I because, again, I'm petty. I sift through the wreckage of sure. other fan bases because it makes me feel better about my own life. I, you're talking about a franchise that traded away a generational player 
I mean, I'm not sure if I'm not. I watched what was going on with the Raiders, and I'm not sure if we just watched Mike Mayock's first draft or a comedy about the NFL starring Leslie Nielsen. Like, if they is that what just happened? Sean Chris? Connery. Is it what just happened? Leslie Nielsen's back there naked gunning this thing. They take Clellan Farrell, widely regarded as the fifth best defensive end prospect. They take running back Josh Jacobs, who is called the best running back in the class, which is a position that's been kind of devalued over the years. If you're not Todd Gurley, eh, are you a first-round pick? That's where we've fallen. And then strong safety Jonathan Abram, who is a strong safety, but he has a notable lack of ball skills. That's right. He's okay. a box defender. So in a class that's dominated by offensive and defensive line players, that's your haul. That's what you came away with. A running back with a small body of work. They traded back a bunch, too. And there was Montez Sweat and Marquise Brown were still on the board. Yeah. The, yeah. What, the, 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 the Farrell pick. That right there. He should have been marched out of the fucking war room. But there was nobody there to do it because he that's sent right. everyone home. That's right. That's probably why. Oh, my it was God. Bad. It was a bad draft for Oakland. And, then, now, and here's the worst part. Here's how you could. You could if you were a competent liar. Here's yeah. how you could defend the Clellan Farrell pick if you're Mike Mayock. You go to the podium on Monday morning. You hold your press conference. And you, you say resign. to your no, You say oh. to your fan base, hey, I know that people said he's subpar. I know people said he lacked the athletic chops to really be considered one of the top ten prospects in this draft. I've done my homework, mm. I've scouted him, and I see something in him that none of these other people see. You have to trust my vision. Sounds like Dave Gettleman. Exactly. But at <laughs> least then you can laugh your way through a press conference and instill some semblance of, I don't know what you want to call it, but some semblance of respect, some semblance of confidence in the fact that you know what you're doing. Instead, what comes out Monday yeah. is that the Raiders were... Fairly certain they were going to get offers to trade back, which is why Clellan Farrell was the top player on their board. And when their phone didn't ring, they stuck to the board. They stuck to a board that was built around this faulty premise that somebody wanted their pick. What the fuck are we doing here? (laughs) I feel like Chris could run that draft. Well, probably. (laughs) Do they allow Mohawks in Oakland? They don't. Uh, And I think the biggest losers of the weekend... The biggest loser of the weekend are all those butthurt bachelorettes crying about their poor roots. Listen, honey. Yeah. It's the NFL draft. And Steve Smith was a big loser of the weekend, too. He sounded like such a dickhead. (laughs) Well, when doesn't he? Come on. He's like a fucking asshole. Well, don't we all, though? Mm. Now, here's the thing. By all accounts, the Buffalo Bills, and I'm not used to this, and maybe you working in the media the way that you do... Maybe you have a different take on this, but I'm genuinely uncomfortable as I go through all of these draft, you know, they rank your draft, which mm-hmm. ultimately is... A lot mean- of people like the Bills. It's meaningless immediately afterwards, but I'm used to people panning what we do. And I'm used to panning what we do. People seem to really like what we're doing over here all of a sudden, and I, I don't know how to feel about it. Nate, do you concur with this national perspective that overall we had a solid draft? I'd agree. Okay. I like the A minus B plus range for what the Bills did in the in the draft. I really like them solidifying getting two starters in the first two rounds. I really, really, really like the Dawson Knox pick. I love that they traded up to go get him. Oh, you're gonna have to explain this one to me then. I'm gonna okay. stop you right there because we're gonna right. launch right into this. Let's do First it. of all, 
draft recap, Chris, and it all starts at pick number nine. As I said it should. Okay. Defensive tackle Ed Oliver. Yes! Give me Tim Norton. Everyone can eat shit. A big bag of shit. <laughs> I'm the greatest man in the world. Woo! <laughs> Folks, after that pick was made, I wanted to walk around with my arms out. Like Maximus Aurelius and Gladiator. Demanding to know if everyone in my neighborhood was entertained. But if I had done that, they would have just kind of... They would have called the cops. Let's be honest. Yep. Shirtless Drew Gear out in the street. No one, nobody needs that in their lives. But they would have no way of knowing. They don't listen to my podcast. They would have no way of knowing that I've spent months telling everyone who would listen that defensive tackle had to be the pick. Had to be. Because it's the one place that they didn't can, they didn't spend any free agent money. Mm-hmm. They didn't try well, they to address it. They spent a lot of money on Starla Tulele last year. That's debatable. I digress. We have that out. He's here now. And outside, uh, I, I mean, th- th- that's it. I knew he had to be the pick, and he's here now. Makes me feel good about this because it makes me feel like maybe, maybe, just maybe, I know what the hell I'm talking about. Just a little bit. Mm. You know? Well, you've yet to be right on any draft that we've ever had while doing this. <laughs> so this is so a first, you, folks. Yeah, this is a first. So I, the first time I noticed Ed Oliver was two years ago, and it was in that Louisville game. Primetime TV, number five Louisville against Houston. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a slaughter. And they're talking about Lamar Jackson being a uh, you know, Heisman trophy. Right. Okay, right. let's watch this game. And the only person that I actually noticed out there was Ed Oliver. Yeah. Because he mauled the entire offense. I mean, he finished that game two sacks, three tackles for a loss. He had a forced fumble. He was batting down passes. He was taking on multiple blockers because he was deployed as a nose tackle. Did you hear? Did you hear his coach on GR with Howard and Jeremy? No, but I heard him and his coach were not. This was his. This was other. his defensive line coach, not his head coach. Okay, coach. no, I did not. His defensive line coach, when Howard asked him if he thought that Ed Oliver was playing out of position in college, because that was the narrative: is that whatever team gets him and puts him in a three technique, he'll thrive in it. And that's really what's best suited for him. And what the college coach said is he, the, the word nose tackle was thrown around a lot about Ed Oliver that maybe people didn't really understand what the nose tackle in that defense did. For the most part, when you think of nose tackle, what you think of is 3-4. You think of a guy that is, is responsible for two gaps. The reason being is he's head up over the center. That's a nose, that's a nose guard. Yeah. He's head up over the center. He's responsible for both A gaps. So that in itself is really taking away what Ed Oliver does great, right? Because he's a penetrator. If yep. he if he's a one he's a one gap player. He's and that's what a three technique is. And his lateral agility that's is right. incredible for a guy his size. But this position on their particular defense, the nose tackle wasn't expected to play a two gap position. He was a okay. one gap player. Okay. But basically what he said is the best player on the entire defense was their nose tackle and it was no question who the best player on the defense was, and that was Ed Oliver, because he was creating the most disruption, and sure, is he going to play the one technique or the nose tackle in the NFL? No. no. He's going to play in a three technique in a defense that really, really, really could... Ha- Listen, Sean McDermott likes one thing. It's in his defense, Kawan Short, some of the guys that they've drafted in Carolina, it's be- having the ability to penetrate through that three technique and getting it through the C-gap and, and having a player like Ed Oliver who can really kind of cover from the A to the C, and be uh, an electric yes. pass rusher. I think in the middle is something, listen, 
Kyle Williams, I thought last year was a top ten defensive pass rusher from inside. He was he was really that effective when he was playing. Still, mm-hmm. Ed Oliver could potentially be the best interior pass rusher in football outside of a guy named Aaron Donald next year or in two years. Well, and that's what's incredible. So when you, Aaron Donald's in a league of his own, but but he could he could have that dominance. Your premise isn't lost on me. I mean, when when you look at all these different draft analysts and you kind of summarize what it is they're saying, because that's what I like to boil this down to after the draft. Try to get different people's takes. I, I, Todd McShay from ESPN loved the pick. Said that he has the chance to be one of two or three of the best players in this draft. I liked John Ledyard's kind of from the draft network. I liked the, the way he summarized it. He said at the end of the day, Oliver is far too explosive with freakish strength and movement skills to not take a chance on. But we need to acknowledge that he is definitely a risk. A risk that might not be worth taking at the top 10 of the 2019 draft. Now, Here's and I I can understand why. I mean, when you look at because it comes down to what you're asking him to do in the Bills scheme, this is where he fits. First of all, freak lateral agility yeah. for a guy who's almost 290 pounds, and he's going to get a little heavier. That's just what happens in an NFL strength training program. You gain a little bit of weight. So that, but but that ability to become slippery, that ability to just get off the ball quick and attack guys bigger than him with. Just the way he gap hops and the way that he can kind of slide around in front of linemen, move them with power, yeah. or sometimes just beat them to their own spot. That's gonna energy. Help, that's gonna help that in guy plays terms with energy. of being paired up with guys like Star Latou right? yeah. and guys like Harrison Phillips, who no, they don't in and of themselves bring you any kind of pass rush, but they can eat space. And I'll you, tell you this too. If Ed Oliver starts commanding double teams, Starla Tule becomes a far more, well, that's far it. more important player. It makes the guys around especially him more in the run game. Default in the run game, if Starla Tule has one defender, Starla Tule could have a Pro Bowl type season as a run, interior mm-hmm. run defender. His job, the reason that the Bills pay him, I thought they overpaid him, is really to take on double teams and just be a guy that that's allows it. allows the other six players around him to to roam freely or to roam on on single team or man up, mm-hmm. you know, scenarios. Now, if you free up a Star Latulale in the run game, mm-hmm. that is, I mean, you're talking about what an interior defensive line, you start bouncing plays to the outside and you start letting the, hopefully the Ziggy Ansas of the world, who is an elite edge rush defender, mm-hmm. I would love that to go with an elite edge pass rusher in Jerry Hughes. Mm-hmm. Those bookend corners with Trent Murphy coming in on third down situations, loving that rotation gets Ziggy Ansah. I, I just look at what it does for our depth chart. You're talking about... We have a true four-man rotation with an impact player. Fine. That's last, right. Last season, a lot of B plus players, a lot B, of B, B to B minus players. Yes. No one was a C in the middle. Nobody. But at the same time, what you're talking about is because even Harrison Phillips, he had a rough end to the season because he hit that rookie wall. Yeah. Everyone talks about. He'll hopefully find a way to get over that in his second season. But there again, you had a rotation of mediocre players mm-hmm. in, in your defensive tackle. Like Jordan. I think we all like Jordan Phillips, right? I mean, everybody he's likes Jordan terrible. Phillips. He's not terrible. Yeah. He's just got to find consistency. But I think he can do that. that. He can do that in 20 to, snaps. And that's why you signed him to a one-year deal. Yeah. You're going to get him more snaps. This is what I see when it comes to the, his this draft pick's impact on the depth chart. You now have a four-man rotation with a true impact player wedged in there. This is what I would say. I would argue, and I've already been told that I'm stupid for thinking this, if you have an Ed Oliver who the book on him is that he's going to need to learn because he's smaller, 
He's going to be mm. smaller than a lot of his competition at the NFL level. He's going to have to learn how to you know, can consistently transfer leverage and energy into winning against the run, against the pass. It, the would, do, it would do him favors to start him out as your, your defensive tackle three. Be the guy that gets rotated in on advantageous downs so that you're not just sending him out there every single first down so that some center and guard combo can maul him to death. You don't Because you're not learning at that point. You're just getting beat. You're just getting beat up by guys who are much more physically mature than you, who understand the nuances of the NFL game more than you. I feel like if you really want to see this kid excel this season, you start him off not on a pitch count, but as your third D tackle. You let Jordan Phillips go out there and earn that contract. I mean, he's the 21st highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL. Let him go out there and be your gap penetrator on first downs, on second downs. And when you come up with a second long, or when you come across a passing down on third down, you throw Ed Oliver out there. Has he picked his number yet? I don't know. Chris, I, do you know? I have no idea. He wanted 91, I know that, but somebody's already got it. So he's gonna have to fork over. Somebody irrelevant has it. Yeah, I was no. gonna say somebody who's not making this roster. They should. I, I, yeah. I say he'd look really good in ninety. He needs to figure out a way to get Shaq Lawson off ninety. <laughs> like, listen, bro, they didn't pick up your option. You don't have much time here. All I know is that it's gonna be really interesting to see the impact that this guy brings. He's, but he's guys, the best defensive. Can we toast to this? The yes. best. The best. I'd say defensive player, second or third best player in this entire draft, and he falls right. to us at nine. I think that's the other caveat to this pick and the other reason to just have a hard-on for it is that we didn't have to go anywhere. That's right. We didn't have to give anything up. He fell to us. Now, the second pick in the draft, we did have to give something up, and I actually have a bone to pick with whoever the fuck out there. There's, there's four of you, and you know who you are. You're listening to this right now. In the middle of the draft, we, drafted a, we moved up to pick 38 mm-hmm. to draft offensive tackle Cody Ford in the mm-hmm. second round. We gave up a fifth-round pick, which is essentially A.J. McCarron. Yeah. That is the A.J. McCarron pick, and people were complaining about it. Well, anytime they trade up now, people complain. But they trade up a lot. That's they what they do. They If I had come to you as a Bills fan and said, hey, I'm going to land you a potential right tackle of the future, and all it's going to cost you right now, this is last offseason. If I came to you and said, you can have this, and all it's going to cost you right now... Give me your starting McC- right tackle. Give me AJ McCarron. Just give me him now. I would have, I would have driven over there and packed his shit myself. We well, did say fifth round pick. Fifth. All right. Uh, Matt, fifth. Matt Milano was taken in the fifth. Right? He was. Yeah, he's the only. He's the outlier. That's yeah. it. Every other. Fifth Taron round Johnson pick was picked that, in the fourth. That throwaway pick, Matt Milano. Listen though, I, here's <laughs> what I think. Throwaway pick, Matt. Here's Milano. what I think about throwing away a pick like the fifth round pick. They 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 threw it away. They it was we need to move up two spots because had they not, the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens would have. And if the Baltimore Ravens had moved up and taken Cody Ford, they don't get who I think is. And Chris Trapasso says the same thing that he was the number two guard in this draft. I think he plays out better in the future as a guard. I think he'll start. Eventually, the game one, I think he's he'll be at guard. I think really. He, I think I here's the thing. I really like Ty Nasiki, the the guy that the thirty three some the thirty four yep. year old tackle that they got from Washington had doesn't have a lot of mileage on him for being a thirty three or thirty four year old. He's gonna be hard to keep off the field at the right tackle position. Not only that, no one 
no one's made a compelling enough argument for me to move Deion Dawkins to guard, especially because he can't play on the right side, and Quinn Spain's your left guard. So he's your left tackle. Unless you feel that Cody Ford's playing left tackle, which you shouldn't feel that because you haven't seen him on the left side. So nothing would suggest that he could play on the left side. Deion Dawkins can't play on the right side, and all I, have to, I can find some film to show you that he can't play on the right Here's side. Here's what I'm going to say to you, sir. First of all, you want to start this off with scheme fit? Let's start with scheme fit. His athleticism, evident. Yeah. The kid can get playing tackle can get out in space and mow people down. Okay, he's he's athletic. He moves well. He gets to the second level consistently when he's blocking. I understand that he could be the second or third best guard, but if developed properly, he could still be a high end right tackle. When I look at this roster right now, okay, what I see is a group of players. This is why it's, he's incredibly, I, I have him earmarked as my most interesting draft pick in terms of training camp. Because of all the offensive line signings that you saw from Buffalo in the offseason, mm-hmm. the only one who has started games at the right tackle position and has proven that he understands the technique. Because left tackle doesn't always translate to right it tackle. It doesn't. Just the same way Cyrus Quanjo yeah. sucked at right tackle, but when he was put at left tackle at the, with, I think with the Houston Texans, he was at least serviceable enough to stick around. Okay? Adrian Waddell, starter of five games in his entire career, Uh is the only offensive lineman on our roster right now who has NFL starts at right tackle. If you're giving me a guy Uh with Cody Ford's upside in athleticism, I am willing to take that bet and let that play out versus just pigeonholing him as a guard simply because he I don't could think, be good at it. I don't think – well, it's not that he could be good at it. He played his his sophomore and junior year uh, right guard in Oklahoma. He can do it at a high he level. He has proved that he can do it at a high level. The thing that I think – and Chris Trapasso said the same thing. I was listening on the way here, so this is why these these quotes are fresh in my mind. That Chris Trapasso – or that, this is what Chris Trapasso said about Cody Ford, is that he struggles with the smaller – shiftier speed. pass rushers, yeah, the speed rushers. Speed. And in the NFL now, most teams are putting their best pass rusher over the right tackle. Yes, It's just where people are putting their best pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Von Miller is the outlier because he's the best pass rusher in football. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I look at it like this, that Cody Ford, all of the things, all of the reasons you mentioned that you think that the reasons that he should be a tackle, I think would make him an elite, I think an all-pro type guard because his athletic ability on pulls on interior runs, something we know that Brian Dable wants to run traps and run things inside. His ability to pull and move and maul really plays well to that right guard position. Not only that, but what his main weakness is here, which is potentially defending smaller, fast pass rushers, is almost completely taken off the table when you move him on the inside. And I agree. Ty Nishiki doesn't have a ton of starts at the right tackle position over the course of his career. Most of the time he played on the left side. But that's a player that can and has played at the right side and has played it at a high level when he's been asked to do it. Adrian Waddell, another player that I think could be a potential for the starting right tackle position if they decide they want to go with a guy like Cody Ford. Let's, let's, let's play this situation out. Cody Ford's your starting right tackle. That means Quentin Spain's got to be your starting right guard because you're moving Deion Dawkins down to left guard and putting Ty Nesiki as your left tackle. I can be fine with that situation, but I think for what they could do and be the best, their best five, maybe that's it. Maybe that's their best five is having Deion Dawkins um, and and having Quentin Spain on, not on the same side. But the only thing I worry about with Dawkins at guard is does he have the strength and power to be going up against one techniques and be going up against that I don't know. 
I, I, I don't we know. We haven't seen it. We so haven't you're seen right. it. That is, and you know and what? he can't play the right point. side. He cannot play the right side. This is what I love about Cody Ford, though. When you look at who he is and what he represents and you watch some tape. Now, folks who listen to the podcast know I watch line play. That's where my eyes are focused during most football games. I'm watching what's going on in the trenches. I'm watching what's going on with the, in the pocket. The wide receiver, the routes, the what the coverages are doing, I'll admit, I'm generally not paying attention to that in real time. That's just not where my eyes go. What I'll say is this. Short of Richie Incognito, prior to him and after his departure, I can't tell you the last time we had a legitimately nasty offensive line. Someone who's... Richie is pretty nasty. Somebody whose mentality is just, I'm going to go out here... And scream MAGA in people's face. That's <laughs> scary. Someone who's going to... We're going to snap the... <laughs> someone who we're going to snap the football, and at the snap, I'm going to punch you and everyone wearing your jersey in the mouth. Trey Teague used and to do that. And maybe even after the whistle's over, I'm going to play through it, just to remind you that I'm here, and I'm not going anywhere. You're going to have to deal... It's going to be a long fucking day. That's what I watched after after the draft, after that second round, I went home. I got home from Batavia Downs at about 2.30 in the morning. And I sat down, and I was still just wired, and I couldn't sleep. And I pull up, you know, I pull up my tablet, and I start watching Cody Form. Cody, Cody Ford highlights. Cody Porn? Cody Porn. <laughs> Cody highlights. And what I see is a guy who just doesn't give a dude reckless abandon. He doesn't he's, give a fuck about badger. your feelings. Doesn't he doesn't give, care doesn't about give your a shit. He doesn't care if your kids are watching. He's gonna go out there and he's gonna try to embarrass you. That's how he plays the game of football. You watched him punk kids. He yeah. block you to the ground, and then as you're trying to get up, block spit you in your again. face just to let you know. Call your mother a bitch. I, pan- I pancaked you, and I did it a second time yeah. to remind you that this is gonna happen every single time you get up to the line. So before I sell you on the third round picks, what I want to do a quick exercise. I need both of you and both well, each of you and also me to I'm name, gonna need two more beers, Chris. To name the most beers? random Bills offensive lineman that pops into your head. Chris yeah. Williams, guard. Wow, Chris Williams. Yes. That's yeah. a good one, brother. That's a yes. good one. Brad good Butler, one. right tackle. Brad Butler. That's another that's another pretty good one. I, I, I kinda said mine. I thought the Trey Teague one was really good. And I kinda wanted to to touch back on it because we did, nobody nobody really was like, Oh good call on the Trey <laughs> Teague one. So had I'll say I'll say Derek Dockery is another. <laughs> so that's a good exercise. Just making sure. Here's here's Just what keeping I love. you guys sharp. I love this pick and I love what it does for our team long term. And again, Chris, we finished our offseason series with offensive and defensive line. Why? Because they were two needs and they were two of the deepest positions in this draft class. It turns out we've addressed both of them, and that's where that's where you spend your money. Right, yeah. offensive line, defensive line. That's where yeah, the dollars. You got to build for the inside. That's out. where the big money gets Even spent. Even I know that. Now we have two high upside, cost controlled projects, and now we've reached the part of the draft recap where I'm going to need Nate Geary to mm-hmm. work his magic and talk Don't me worry. off a fucking ledge. Here we are, pick number seventy four, third round, running back Devin Singletary. You face playing at the table at Batavia Downs. In the middle of our draft show, folks, no I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I ask for this sometimes. We're going around the table, we're having conversation about what's going on, and the Bills pick is coming up. What are we gonna do? And I I had literally just gotten done explaining that I viewed this draft as one great third round pick. 
one great third round pick away. They had two from being a home mm-hmm. run. Two. I was gonna stand up Bat. like a walk off home run and just walk out of Batavia Downs with my hands in the air because that's how much of a home run this draft was going <laughs> to be. And then, like three minutes later, well, Bills are on the clock. Yeah, we have, well, we have to set the seventy fourth pick. Yeah, you have to set in this the up. Twenty nineteen. You have to set this up because you were in at Batavia Downs. They switched. The draft from ESPN. Yes, to ESPN right before too. that pick. Yes, so at I Batavia remember that Downs, I was on the I was on the radio. Basketball comes on. Well, so, no, because here's what happened. The, the what happens is the 38th pick comes up. You're watching it like two minutes. All of a sudden, Bills trade. You see the Bills logo go into the spot. You're like, I, I was like, we, I was like, yeah, we're gonna go to break when we come back. The Bills are oh, sh- the Bills are up right now. The Bills are up. We're gonna stay here. We're gonna stay with you. And all of a sudden, it goes to another station. I'm like, somebody get it up. We gotta get the Jimmy Scrub right now. Your balls immediately jump right. in your throat. Right, you're like, oh, they no. change it right. They change it right to basketball. And so, so you you had to pay attention to your computer and Twitter so to get the So this is happening, pick. and we're sitting here, and everybody's in silence. Just everybody in the crowd is on their phones, just dr- frantically trying to figure out who the draft pick is. And I see a running back, a running back who's five eight and two hundred five seven pounds, and a half, but ran a four six forty and four I, six six. I grabbed my tablet with both hands and just flipped it. Just flipped it, and like and what? Then you did the Aaron Rodgers thing, or you just like tossed put, it, and no, then just, just like, put my like head flipping a table, like just and oh. just flipped it and, and then put my face flamed. down on the table. Yep. So you didn't like the pick, like Ace Ventura on didn't the uh, like on the it. on the bench, Ace Ventura on the bench. You know, when oh you, right, right, right. Yeah, boom, face plants, yeah, right down on the on the table. Oh, there was what? There, there were six foot four wide receivers. There, there was talent at the wide receiver, the tight end position. And instead, we draft a small, slow Mm-mm. running back. Mm-mm. Immediately after the draft, when the draft show ended, Kyle Trimble from BangedUpBills.com, he comes, he comes walking up to me with the last third of his pitcher of IPA and just goes, That's a good man. friend right there. He goes, man. You need this more than me. You look like you need, need yeah. this more than me. And because I'm a fucking gentleman, I drank it out of the pitcher because I didn't want to dirty it on the grass. Right. That's right. And, but... To say I was confused and frustrated is a wild understatement. I mean, luckily for us, Matt Waldman from the Rookie Scouting Portfolio was... Give you a brief. (laughs) Yeah. Chris emails this guy and says, can I have... Can you shoot us a brief? What would you say, Chris? I said, said, this is what I wrote in the email to Matt Waldman. Do you have any articles written on Devin Singletary? If not, do you have a short synopsis... (laughs) He's I'll like, yes, Chris, let, to, me, let yeah, me send you I'll my... I'll get it over di- to Drew so we can do the for our next show, and we'll credit you. And I'm not Let me ca- send you my dissertation yeah. on Devin Singletary. Nate, how long does this look? It's nine paragraphs! It's, it's pretty long. It's nine yes, paragraphs! It's pretty long. And it goes to show you why we love Matt Waldman That's so right. much. So thorough on anybody. So, folks, I've broken it down into three bullet points from nine paragraphs. Matt, you're, you're the fucking best if you're listening to this, but Jesus, man. So, this this is my takeaways from reading all of this. He's slow, not nearly as quick as his moves Combine make him slow. appear. Combine slow. And he's unlikely to get any sturdier with a frame that is likely maxed out. The difference between him being a number 8 running back and the number 15 on my board comes down to one grade that could have gone either way. Acceleration. And he's a contributor level player rather than a player with borderline starter upside. Nate, explain to me why I shouldn't be apoplectic about this. <laughs> the so is definite. he plays 
a whole hell of a lot faster than his score than his combine numbers suggest. He's a fast. He there are few. There's always a couple guys every year that are on both sides of the spectrum that test better than they show on film. That just they run a blazing fast score, and you're like, when when you put him on film, do you see him utilizing the four four speed? There there's just there's always players. And the same can be said about the other side, where a lot of people are talking about Elvin Kamara's four five seven, and we're saying, well, you know, this isn't a player that has the top end speed to be a first round pick. Blah 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 blah. And look what Elvin Kamara's done. Now I understand that he's in the four percentile of height, five seven and three quarters or whatever he is is small. Seven hundred and sixty some odd carries is a lot of carries to have in college. 32 touchdowns in one season is a lot to have in college. The 700 and whatever carries that he had in college, he was probably hit on 120 of them. The guy Mm. doesn't know how to get hit. Mm. He figures out ways to squeeze. The thing that I like about him is he gets lost behind the offensive line. So when guys are trying to track him down... He's he plays low too for five seven. He's his his head his his pad level is low, and he finds ways. And his shiftiness inside, like Brandon Bean said, that he, you know he can make a guy miss in a phone booth. There are a few guys like Lashawn McCoy. He doesn't have the lateral quickness that Lashawn McCoy has, but when you are one on one with him, you won't likely tackle him. And I can tell you from the standpoint of. As a defender, when you're going up against a smaller guy who is fast and can move quickly and, 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 and plant and go another direction, it scares the shit out of you. Because all you want to do is do what you do best, which is deplete the little shit. Mm-hmm. Right? You just want to deplete him. And he he just finds ways to squeak out of big hits and, and gain five more yards. He's not Maurice Jones-Drew. He's not Ray Rice. He's not one of these guys that we've seen before. Because Ray Rice ran a four four something. That's what I was gonna say. And he's, everyone, I've seen. Oh, he's MJD. No, because MJD was a load who ran a uh, a four eight. But listen, uh, I mean a four four eight. Either way you spin it, he would have ended up being a round three pick. Somebody was going to pick him in the third round. David Montgomery goes the pick before, and the Chicago Bears traded in front of the Bills to do that. Now, were the Bills going to take David Montgomery over? Devin Singletary. I don't know, but I know for a fact that Devin Singletary was was Devin Singletary was a pretty highly regarded top four running back in this draft. And whether or not he ends up being anything, whatever. Because here's the thing: their running back room outside of T.J. Yeldon are all either journeyman players, you know, Sonoris Perry. That everyone's like, but what about Sonoris Perry? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, the man of eight carries in his career. Just shut up. Well, Sonoris Perry guy. Well, here's the thing, though, and here's why I give that some credence because when you look at it, and I'll, I'll buy this. Okay. Here's the one thing that you just tried to sell me that I'll buy. When when you look at it, he's short. We have one of the taller offensive lines mm-hmm. with Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, six five, Spain, yeah, Spain's big huge. guard. He's a big Spain's guard. Huge. He's a man. Deion Dawkins, six five. Deion Dawkins, six five across the board. That's what I'm saying. Well, my question would be if it's you a foot have, taller. If, well, so my my question is if you have Spain left guard, and does Dave Bold have a play in the playbook? Spain pulls Singletary runs through his legs, <laughs> ten inches into the it second could, level. This is the Three Stooges playing football, Chris. My my, my thing be. is I can see a tall offensive line the way we're constructed 
with a tiny running back who's shifty, it already makes him hard enough to see. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to buy anything you just tried to sell me, that might be part of it. But then, do you know the, the, the last thing? Let me just tell you about the single Singletary, mm-hmm. and this is another Chris Trapasso thing that he said that I was like, yes, that's totally true. Is when you see the highlight film of running backs, you're like, wow, that guy's good. He's running people over. He's dropping his pad level and running a linebacker over. He's dropping his pad level running that safety over. He's running past people in college. Well, those aren't the guys that last in the NFL that are running linebackers over, that are thinking that they can run linebackers over, that can run safeties over, that can run past people. The guys that can run past people, are there are very few of them in the NFL. Do you know how many of them were running past people in college? All of them. The third string running back, Sonoris Perry, two times we're going to say in this podcast, Sonoris Perry was running past the collegiate defenders trying to tackle him. Okay. That's what happens in college. Okay. It's not those players that last in this league and that are the good ones in this league. That's fair. Matt Waldman actually said something in a running back episode uh, similar to that. He said... 40 times for running backs don't really matter. They don't. Because all that means is that after so, 40 yards, you're going to get ta- After 40 yards, you're going to get tackled yeah. by somebody. It's, it's, it's <laughs> so, the instincts that you have. Is he going to run away from players in the NFL? Yes. Because what, I'll tell you what, four, seven, four, eight guys run away when they're in the open field away from defenders. That's just the way, that's the way it happens. Especially if you my, take good angles. My question is, does he have the instincts to be a short yardage area runner when he gets the ball and he gets past the line of scrimmage, does he have the instincts to know when to cut and to know when to get upfield? Because if he does, a lot of the things against Miles Sanders and some of the other top running backs were they didn't have that instinct level. That is not the questions here for Devin Singletary. The questions have become, if he ran a 4-5, how much higher does he get drafted? Probably a lot higher. Okay. And that's one-sixth of a second. Okay, so we've just addressed his talent. Let's let's talk about what the fuck this does to our depth chart. How doesn't about matter. this? Doesn't no, matter. No, no, no. Help, help, help walk me through this, professional radio guy. It doesn't matter. Okay? Murphy right now, cut. we have eight running backs on the roster. If we're to keep McCoy, Gore, Yeldon, and Singer. Which is what's going to happen. Okay? That means we're heading into 2019 with four guys who do not play special teams at the running That's back right. position. That's right. We cut Jonathan Williams because he wouldn't play That's special okay. teams. That's okay. Listen, listen. do you want to know why it's okay? Here's why. Well, first of all, they didn't cut Jonathan Williams because he didn't play special teams. They cut him because they didn't draft him. So the reason it's okay that you're going to have four guys playing that, that don't play special teams in the running back position is because you have, you have linebackers that you're probably going to carry five or six that all but two don't play special teams, one of which is your best special teams player at Lorenzo Alexander that is a full-time, 100% special teams player. Not only that, you're going to probably carry five or six corners. Your bottom two or three corners are all going to play special teams. You're going to carry four safeties. Your backup safeties are both going to play special teams. How many special teams positions do we have? We don't have that many special teams positions. I wouldn't worry about one roster spot. For Christ's sake, Doug Marone carried a fucking kickoff specialist. Okay? So who cares if one guy does not play special teams? All right. All right. You know what? Trump card. You just pulled up the kick. You just, oh, That's right. You the kickoff specialist. Jordan, Holy shit. Jordan Gay. I forgot about the kickoff specialist. You know Jordan what? Jordan fucking Gay. I'm, I'm done fighting. You know what? Cheers, sir. Yeah. Because I'm done fighting the uh, roster spot. Holy shit. <laughs> Jesus, folks. All right. So we are moving here. We are moving along. And so when I walked away from this thing throughout the first two rounds, you could... Obviously, I had mixed emotions. 
I feel like we killed it with the first two draft picks. The third one obviously disappointed me. And then there's this Dawson Knox mm-hmm. pick, which I'm not even going to tell you. I did no fucking research on before we recorded this I podcast. And here's the reason why. Here's why. He's a guy who caught the ball 15. Doesn't matter. 15 times matter. last year. He touched the ball 15 times. What was DK Metcalf's stats? Don't talk to me about DK Metcalf. That man is dead to me now. The draft is over. I never have to hear his name again. His blocking wasn't great, and he played on an old Miss team who I got to see for up, up close and personal when they played Alabama. They had a quarterback that couldn't, didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Their offensive coordinator was an idiot. Their whole team was in shambles. How, how are you supposed to objectively grade anybody, scout a player on that offense, outside of an A.J. Brown who was, a, was the only yeah. consistent thing on that team? You, you take their tools. And you come away with the guy who touched the ball the least. You take their and tools. And you trade it up to get him. Yeah, well, you had to. because of all the, Because the Titans that came off the board, they knew they needed to come out of that draft with a guy that could start or a guy that could get close to starting. Here's the thing about Dawson Knox. Ran a 4-5. A 4-5 at his pro day. Wasn't invited to the combat. He ran a 4-5. He was also ranked number three out of the tight ends in pro football focuses blocking grades, by the way. I want to know about his offensive upside Start talking because there might be a Seagram's bet. 6'4", 250 pounds, ran a 4'5", 40 at the, at the combine. Yes, 15 catches last year. Not a lot of catches for a tight end that started in the league. He was a zero-star recruit. He was a walk-on. He ended up gaining a position and beating out three four-star recruits at the tight end position at Ole Miss. So this is a guy that, first and foremost, was a quarterback his senior year of high school. Broke his, I think he tore his ACL or broke his foot. Broke his foot and ended up not getting really recruited to go anywhere. Ends up going to Ole Miss, and he basically goes on as a quarterback and says, I can also play wide receiver. And they said, well, you know, we need some depth of tight, depth of tight end. Why don't you play tight end? So played a position that he's never played before at six foot four and 220 pounds. He gains 30 pounds in three years and still runs a 4-5-40. Also had some injury problems his sophomore and junior year that he didn't get to play a lot. And then he plays last year. This is a guy, right, at 6'4", 250, at a 4-5-1. I just want to keep emphasizing those numbers because that's pretty incredible. Not to mention, I had him as my tight end five. I really liked him as a target for the Bills in the third round. When they trade, when they, when they, that was my only thing with Devin Singletary is they didn't come up with Dawson Knox in the third round. So I was pissed. But then they ended up trading back in and getting Dawson Knox. So I think Devin Singletary pick now is fine because they still got Dawson Knox out of it. To me, Dawson Knox by year two will be your full-time starter. It will be a top 15 tight end in the league. I'm that confident about him. Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report basically deemed the Bills draft an entire win because they went after a guy like Dawson Knox. Chris Sims, similar praise of the, of the Dawson Knox pick. Knox is the kind of player that the Bills desperately need, a player that has some a little bit of rawness. He doesn't, hasn't had time to really develop bad habits at the tight end position. He's only going to get better as a blocker. You, you, you literally went out and got Jake Fisher, who's never played a snap at the tight end position in the NFL, and has only been a tackle, is now your potential third or fourth tight end. Tyler Croft, known to be a good blocker, you, if he doesn't have to be in blocking situations year one, they can do that by the depth that they create at the position. For me, Dawson Knox will be a huge, integral part of this offense by year two. So you're Seagram's exu- bet. Okay. Chris, you go. Dawson Knox. Seagram's. I will drink a Seagram's anytime that you put him as the zero of the game, hero of the game, you have to drink a Seagram's. I'll take that. I'll take that every... 
Okay, that's, All a, right. that's a good you're, one. You're going to forget this by the time the season begins. So and you, and you will not. I will, rem- I will remember this. So. so you're telling me that a tall, fast, athletic tight end who used to be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. That, I, I'm reminded... I'm reminded of another tall, Logan Thomas, athletic quarterback that used to play tight end. Tim named, Tebow. Named Logan Thomas, who I, I think he went on to have like a Pro Bowl career. He, um, I, I think he single-handedly took a team to the Super Bowl. And he, Oh, no, that didn't happen. No, he got cut from the Buffalo Bills. He got cut from this team. And you went out and drafted another super athletic tight end who used to be a quarterback who never touched the football. Great. Great. Keep... <laughs> Logan Thomas ran a four seven one at the combine, and was also two inches taller. Six four two fifty four five one forty at his pro day. This is a player that. And listen, I, I I was talking. Am I supposed about this. to trust the process here? Is that what this is? Does yes. Say trust the process. But also, pick? let me just tell you, you you mentioned a couple things that I agree with. Ole Miss's offense. What I do as a quote unquote big quotes a job. <laughs> Because it's not really a job. Okay, I talk about the Bills. I watch some draft stuff, and I get made fun of by my girlfriend. That's not a job. That is a hobby. But I get paid minimum wage to do it. That's right, minimum wage. And what I will say, what I will say is the thing that I like about what the Bills did in this draft is they got guys that and, – and how difficult it is to look at Dawson Knox's film and say, this is my tight end five. Well, the reason you do that is you look at – Ole Miss is, is and, and I'm, this is what what I was starting this conversation about talking about how I don't really consider this a job. When I had to watch Ole Miss film, that was a fucking job. That was a nine to five. I bringing <laughs> where since Lunch Pail was all over Twitter yesterday, that's a Lunch Pail type of job watching Ole Miss's offense. They had three draft eligible wide receivers, a quarterback that couldn't throw to him, and they had a tight end who I thought could have potentially been a second round pick had he been utilized the right way and should have gone in front of Irv Smith. Everything about Dawson Knox, other than the production, is better than Herb Smith. But in so my you're opinion. telling me he's worth not just a third round pick, but two fourth round picks. That's fine. That's fine. We're going to revisit this conversation later on it's in fine. the season. To keep this moving, pick 181. Okay, we go back to the sixth round now because we are, was this fifth? Sixth? Who, who gives a fuck at this point? Pick 181, safety Jaquan Johnson. Yep. 5'10", 190 pounds. Small box player. This is it. That's what she said. 4'6", 640 <laughs> time. The same as the running back we drafted. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Wonderful. He's not Super, a deep, he's not a deep threat. Two, 290 tackle seasons, by the way. But I will say he's twice been named second team all ACC. In 290 tackle seasons. And just one sack and four and a half tackles no, for a loss okay. during that span. Now here's what it is. This is what people say about him, and I think it epitomizes it. Right here, John Lanyard. A pint-sized safety who plays like a linebacker. Johnson is truly fearless in his playing style. Yep. Johnson does well enough at the little things to likely carve out a decent career as an assignment-sound backup DB and special team star at the next level. That's who they need. And then Lance Zerline from NFL Network. Big fan. Teams might pick at his measurables, but he's, a re- he's reliable in coverage and extremely consistent as a downhill open field tackler right. with a taste for striking. Lacks ball hawking instincts, which limits his production. Right, and he's not going to be a free safety. He's a strong safety. He's a nickel player, the kind of guy that comes in the box, potentially potentially guards your tight end or your or your running back that's coming out of the backfield that's lining up as a wide receiver. So it's like Bakari Ramba. A lot of yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. This but Bakari Rambo had a crazy – he turned into a ball cock. I don't know. This is what I like about this pick. When I, when I saw it come in, I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, the only players I knew that I – when you look at the way the draft was falling at this point, when you look at who got drafted when he was still on the board, the only players still there that I knew or cared about were Travion Williams at running back, which we're not we're taking not another one out. of those, and off OU's Rodney Anderson who Matt Waldman sold me on the upside of him once he's once he's healthy, but it's irrelevant between, yeah. because we already invested draft capital there. And the wide receivers weren't worth talking about at that point. So fuck it, a safety pick. We know, okay, we know that Sean McDermott likes to deploy a third safety. He yeah, which enjoy- is why they should go get Eric Berry, but that's another conversation. <laughs> We're not a Super Bowl contender, and he would want so much money to come here. No, he wouldn't. What you're, what you're essentially dealing with here... The low tackle for loss and sack numbers, the reason I mention those is because when you look at him, he's a solid athlete, but he's the type of guy that, to me, if you're talking schematically, you're going to have to play him far away from the line of scrimmage. You do not want him down there in the muddy waters getting caught up in the churn when sure. the ball gets snapped. He's, he's a safety who's you're probably going to spend most of your time deploying in that robber role in a cover three somewhere in between. They drafted hashes. him to take over for Sierra Neal. And that's, because that's, that's what they drafted Sierra Neal to be, and he's not that. And that's what I was going to say is this pick is almost the same pick they made when they took Saran Neal. If you go back to last year, think about all the small school guys they took. They took they took three small school guys this year, not a one. All of them are from the SEC, the Big 12, Big 10. Yeah. And the American AAC. But. Well, and the thing I, I look at is when people say he doesn't have ball skills and everyone, you know, there's casual fans out there who will say, well, he's a safety. Eventually they can maybe turn Chris around. Chris has tremendous ball skills. That doesn't make him an NFL player. <laughs> this kid just has four turnovers in his senior year, but he plays in an ACC with no top flight quarterback talent. No, fuck you people out there at Ryan home saying, Finley, well, Daniel Jones QB got drafted one. six overall, so isn't Ryan he? Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley. That's a quarterback in your conference, and you only had four turnovers. Just had what was the what's the Miami quarterback's name? Rozier. Ro- <laughs> yeah, Rozier. He stinks. The, yeah. I mean, you, you're playing in a conference that outside of uh, the, the Clemson kid there. The, they had that Indian you're, lefty kid from North Carolina. You're, too. Yeah, you're he not got suspended though for tattoos or something. You're not dealing with a whole lot of talent, and you only force four turnovers. You're not going to be that guy at the NFL level. That's just not going to happen. So. Essentially, he's just the dude who's going to come in here and be our big nickel cover three guy. Saran Neal, when you look at the impact in the depth chart with this pick, our starter's in place. We've already got him. You've got Raphael Bush. I don't think there's any way. Raphael Bush? I don't think he comes off the board. Rachel Bush? Unless this kid balls out. That guy is our third DB. Our starters are in place. The only way that I see Saran Neal keeping his job because of this draft pick is if he somehow has the best camp anybody's ever seen out of a safety. He has a Marcus Murphy-type camp. That's what I'm saying. Like He has to look ascendant in order to keep his job because I just don't see us keeping five safeties. I don't think that no, that's a thing you so. can do. Unless, unless one's a Pro Bowl special teamer. That's why they're going to keep six receivers. They're going to have a Pro Bowl returner in Andre Roberts. And see, that's just it. You've got too many numbers, and special teams has to be a consideration. I actually did the 53-man roster on the radio because we were really fucking bored, and there was <laughs> a lot of time to fill. So I, I I went through the 53-man roster like after the fifth round, and I was like, I was having trouble filling the roster spot. So For the first time in forever, 
We have starters with value, and we're bringing in talented rookies. This is going to be the first year where we have a podcast after like the first. Well, they don't have first and second cuts anymore, but after the after the preseason, where the Bills cut like four or five players that are priority free agents to go to their teams. Oh, absolutely. I, I would absolutely believe that. So then we look at the last rounds of the draft, the last picks we made. They got Defense, a white tight end. Defensive end Daryl Johnson at pick number two twenty five. And at pick 228, Voshan. Tommy Stevens. What about Voshan? Or Tommy Sweeney's. You missed oh, yeah, Voshan. no, we took Voshan. Where, 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 how did I gloss over that? I want to say Jesus Voshan Christ. was their fifth. He and was you their fifth. Were, he was their fifth. And, and the, the I safety. Think I, I think at that point, I was just so fed up because of the knocks and the single like player picks. I, I scaled right over it. Yeah. When you talk about what this linebacker could be, okay, he was a guy that I was kind of tabbed when it came to the draft show with, hey, Get to know some prospects so we can all talk about it. You know, Ryan Lacell over there from the huddle does a really good job of kind of breaking this up so that we can have a cohesive show and we can entertain people at home and we can talk about the different the players and the people involved and the things that uh, you want to know so that it's an entertaining viewing experience. So as he's throwing it around, it comes to me with this Voshan Williams thing and I'm just thinking in my head as I'm hearing that he's our pick. He's got the speed to be a cover guy, just has no instincts. There's multiple instances on tape of this linebacker. He's fast. He's, he's smaller. He's kind of in that Matt Milano mold, the 6'1", 230. He's got the speed and athletic chops to be everything you want in a, in a weak side linebacker in a 4-3 defense. But at the same time, he needs everyone around him to tell him where the fuck he needs to be. Yeah, There's multiple instances. He's like a Brandon games. Spikes. That's what I'm saying. A guy who, yeah, except much smaller. Much and smaller. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't seem dumber to understand a lot. And that's, that's saying a lot that he, he's less intelligent in terms of football than Brandon Spikes. You're talking he's about a, a guy dummy. who routinely has to be marched around the field, moved by his teammates. People have to signal him that he's in the wrong place. Which explains why he's so bad in coverage. It's always the craziest athletic kids that just that don't know a damn. Fucking he doesn't thing. understand it. So I get <sighs> so it. I guess it's a hail mary as a project because you say, "Hey, we saw." We've what got happened. Leslie Frazier. Well, here's the thing: we saw what happened last year. I understand the pick. We understand what happened last year when we lost Matt Milano. Matt Milano disappeared. Uh, uh, Lorenzo Alexander got pressed into duty. I think the day that it really became apparent that that wasn't going to cut it anymore was the day that we played the New England Patriots. And they ran jet sweep after jet sweep after jet sweep directly at Lorenzo Alexander, who was trying to play weak side linebacker and just failing miserably to get to the edge of the defense with any sort of ability to bottle up the runner. Even if you can't make the tackle, at least your presence will force the play back inside. But instead... We were relying on a slow linebacker to do that job. Now you've got this athletic kid who can fly around. If out he can there, play strong side, and that's it. Well, not only that, but if something were to happen to Milano, he makes a quality backup at a weak team. side, one hundred percent. And yeah. as a special teamer, those are the in- special teams. It doesn't take a lot of nuance. They drafted rounds five and on for special teams. That's what I'm saying. Like these are guys who and are a white tight end just cause and a white tight end just cause. <laughs> But ultimately, Voshan, he's a guy who I, I, I think he'll make the 53 just based on his special teams upside. And the fact that we don't have any other athletes at linebacker. And because Danny Crossman's gone. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Hallelujah. Drew actually moved him with a – Drew got the U-Haul. Moved he him, did. Yeah, moved him 
up on out of Buffalo. That he guy. he pooped in a bag and lit it on fire and yeah. put it on his doorstep. Yep. He did. No, he uh, really did that. Yeah. Hey, it was listen, disgusting. It was listen. it was a it was a nasty poo. If the authorities are listening, you can't prove a damn thing. That's all right? right. I'm innocent until proven guilty. Come at me. So with that said, our last picks of the draft. 225, 228. You've got Daryl Johnson, Tommy Sweeney. They are what you want out of your last picks. Do you like them better than 2018's seventh round picks? I'd argue yes. I, okay, and by seventh round picks, I know that they took Ray Ray McLeod in the sixth round, but he's basically seventh round pick and also Austin Prohl. We just, took two midget wide receivers. And one's, listen, they took Austin Prohl because he was, you know. He was a former Carolina Panther. He's a little quid pro quo. His dad was a cor- former we're gonna, Carolina Panther. Eh, we're going to do you a good one. I mean, here's my assessment of these last two picks. First of all, Johnson, probably one of my favorite picks in this entire draft. Here's why. He's six foot six, 253 pounds, with a 103-inch wingspan. Okay? Do we draft a tight end or a fucking pterodactyl? Is he, I mean, is this guy <laughs> flying around New Era Field on game day? His wingspan is eight and a half feet. The tallest active NBA player is seven foot three. This guy fits that mold that we've discussed week over week here on this podcast. This this front office, there's a couple things that they like. They like experience, and they like freak physical traits that you can't teach. I'm sorry, but we're... Pterodactyl wings happen to fall into that category. We should probably actually call him uh, McGilla Gorilla. Should be his <laughs> mm. nickname. That's my nickname. I have family members who call me McGilla. That's yeah, because you have long arms. Yes, for a guy who's 5'10", I can almost touch my toes from a sitting position. We should be able. We should have Reed introduce you to Daryl Johnson by the end <laughs> of OTAs to see who has a bigger no, wingspan. He should, because honestly, if he needs any help, finding a place to get sh- shirts that fit his ridiculous arms. I know the guys. I've got them. I've got them on speed dial. <laughs> Honestly, though, if you're looking for a, th- a I don't want to call it a throwaway pick, but a pick at the end of a draft. You Take go a with kicker. A, a super pro- you go with a super productive kid from a lower level college who has this these freak traits and a frame that you can throw some more weight on and throw him on the practice squad for a year and see if he develops in anything. I mean, is that fair? Is that a fair That's kind of what they did with Taron Johnson. Well, exactly. And then Taron Johnson made the fucking roster, and it turns out he was pretty good. That's what they did with Tank Johnson, too. <laughs> so my point is, I don't hate this pick because you're literally swinging for the fences, and if you're wrong, it costs you nothing. It's so late right. in the draft. There's nothing. There, there was no One could say s- that about a third-round pick. No, oh, I hate pick. you. You're going to keep trying to convince me that this is a good idea. I'm not there. I, I, I haven't had enough Moosehead yet. And then, yes, you have. I mean, think about it. Physical freak. Eddie, if I'm Eddie Yarbrough and Mike Love, you've been put on notice. What but, about Eli Harold? Well, Eli Harold's going to make the roster as a Sam linebacker. That's going to be his role as backup supposedly, Sam. Supposedly he's listed as a DN. I, he is, but I, I, I would bet you. That he will play that role before the season. Would you so, like? Would you like to put a uh, Sigrams on it? God, there's so many wine coolers flying right there. It is. The there it is. Another ha- Eli Harold lines uh, up as a. This is impossible to starter, keep track of. Folks, but th- when he makes, uh, wait, whether or not it? he makes the roster or not, he plays his what he gets qualified to play as is a Sam linebacker, a strong side linebacker. 
All right, I'll write he that plays on the more board. more snaps by the end of the season at Sam Linebacker than he does and, at And that could include, if he gets cut, that he plays more preseason snaps at either Fine. Position. Fine. Fine. Whatever he plays the most preseason snaps or snaps for the longevity of his Buffalo career. With all these Seagrams, I will see you in hell or the dentist. I don't know which is going to happen first, wow. but either way. <laughs> then, again, Sweeney, to your point, we spent our last pick... And as every Dabo? team's final pick should be. Yeah. Final pick of the draft should just be... A white tight end every a single time. You should be like Kobe shooting from 55 feet away. Just going, Kobe, eh, just hook it up, see if you make it. We <laughs> took a tight end named Sweeney. He looks and smells like a late seventh round pick. Like he's from South Buffalo. Reliable hands in the passing game. Unpolished blocking. Athletically limited enough that nobody is scared of this guy. He's not going to scare a linebacker. No. That, oh, this guy's going to run past me. I'm assuming that he makes the practice squad and helps with our depth in training camp. And that at some point, maybe, moves in with Reed and helps him split the rent. Well, R- Reed has a one-bedroom. Oh, well, then but that's But who has there. a two-bedroom? Ah, this guy. Uh, guy with an NFL budget. Oh, Jesus. Getting outclassed by Chris. How does he feel? We should get him on a podcast, see how he feels. You know what's hilarious? If you're on the practice squad, Chris actually makes more money than you. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, yes. Yeah. How much do you make on the practice squad? I, about 35000 That's it? About $35,000, Everyone makes more. Like people at, people yeah. at People at Mighty Top... People at uh, Seneca T-Hots over here make more. I, I, I literally <laughs> think the only reason Sweeney and Knox are here... Is just in case Croft, yeah, that's right, fucking Croft. I'm looking at you, and I'm gonna have my eye on you all fucking off season. Just in case Croft proves that he's he really is made of glass and just can't stay healthy. Ugh. So Sweeney's not making the team. Don't worry. No, oh, thank God. It looked like I was gonna lose sleep over that. Listen, so, at the end of the day, they had a good draft. They've got a lot of depth. There's a lot of competition in almost every position, except the quarterback position. And it's all about Josh Allen. It doesn't matter what any of their draft picks do. Oh, all oh. it is. I don't know. There's a certain yeah, there's a there's, certain guy out there yeah, whose uh, name I won't mention. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> Who some, somehow believes that uh, undrafted free agent quarterback Tyree Jackson. That? What was the name? <laughs> Kevin. I'm sorry. Oh, he believes that? Somehow believes that Tyree Jackson is... Uh, he, QB2? He's, he's, he's QB of the... You know, backup QB of the future. Undrafted free agents. We brought in a boatload. None of these guys will matter. Devin Sills might be the only guy worth mentioning here. David Sills. David Sills, Devin the Sills. Fifth. He's a white dude. His name could be Devin. Don't He's argue a former with quarterback. Me. Yeah, Lane Kiffin, your boy. Nick mm-hmm. Easley, I like too. Our wide receiver. Is it fair to say that Sills might be the only undrafted free agent that matters out of this class? He's going to be like Brandon Riley, the, pre, the preseason darling. Am I right or wrong? Nate's eyes are scanning. He's thinking. He's deep in thought. He's contemplating. Look at him. I, I don't really, think I, that Tyree Jackson likely ends up on their practice squad. Yes. And then in okay. year two ends up their backup quarterback. I don't think he ever sees the uniform. Yeah. He, he's going to play. And here's what I actually agree with. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what I actually believe. <laughs> some, some guy. Some what guy I believe. Never heard what I believe. I agree with Kevin is is that for the first time in a very long time when you're in the fourth quarter of the fourth preseason game that you're going to have a guy that you have a vested interest in watching for the first time 
in that's that is true. All right. Think about this. Think about think about the football that you have to watch on preseason in the second half. It's terrible. Sims. And you know what you're gonna get to do? Sims throwing Sims. The, the ball. Linert. 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 This is one of those moments where I think I have a great premise. And then Nate comes in and just hits me with awful truths it's that going I've, to be, I've somehow drank so out of my memory. We will have an opportunity to watch cool football past the second half of preseason games this year. So, you know what? That's fine with me. It's, it's Tyree Jackson. He was rated as my fifth quarterback. He needed to go to a situation where no matter where he went, he wasn't going to start in the first two years. Well, he's there in Buffalo. If he would have gone to, like, you know. Well, why didn't he stay in school? Because he didn't want to stay here. Because <laughs> he didn't and, want and to probably, stay in Buffalo. Wouldn't and, you improve your draft status if you stayed? No, because no, not at Buffalo. I have a feeling that team's going to be real bad next year. Here's I the thing. Maybe UB they, fans, I'm sorry. Maybe he had an opportunity to go to, like, Penn State. Maybe. But I, I don't know that he did. So around the table, here we are at the end of things. I'm just... I feel I feel like I've reached a point of catharsis. I've got some of this stuff off my chest. I've gotten to rant about the parts of this draft that bothered me the most. Things that really just chapped my ass. <sighs> Chris, you've been quiet over there for a little while. Why don't you just give us your synopsis of what you thought about the draft as a whole and whether you think it was a win or not for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I thought it was a win. I mean, from what uh, Russ Brown told us, he had uh, Ford 15th overall on his big board. We Pick up a defensive tackle, offensive tackle. They're expected to start right from the get- day one starters off the bus, right? <laughs> okay, day, okay, Doug Whaley. Day one like starters it. off the bus. Are these Doug Whaley starters off the bus, or are these legitimate starters off the bus, Nate? I think they're legitimate starters off the bus. All right. Yeah, that, that's what I like. I think Dawson Knox is going to start at tight end. Oh, you get out of here with that heresy. No, Karoom's got the inside on that, literally. <laughs> Jesus. Just, no, so, you're, you're, take, you're, so your take on the draft. I like the I like the draft as a whole. I mean, we got we first two rounds we got we we uh went in the trenches. So that that you got to build from the inside out. Everyone knows that. Yeah, uh, sm- I'm so glad we didn't take a DK Metcalf at 9 or TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant or AJ Brown or Hollywood Brown or other Browns. <laughs> we did not take any receivers or flashy picks. You just it was like to me it was it was like Dallas in the in the Manziel draft where everybody was like oh maybe Dallas is going to take Manziel the hot flashy pick but they went offensive lineman solidified their line and they've had one of the best offensive lines over the last couple of years I think that's what we did holy fuck it's a salient point Chris sorry congratulations sir I cheers I'll, I'll cheers you to seriously that. sounded like a Democrat right there yeah thank so you so now you Mr Geary your takeaway is on the draft as a whole. When you take a step back and look at it from 100 feet away, good, bad, indifferent, how do you feel about it? 10 and 6. Oh, Jesus Christ! If you go out there and look at the board. Holy shit, it got hot in here! If you go out there and look at the Seagram's board, because I said it in January, the week after our season ended, I said, we're making the playoffs next year. We're making the playoffs. You took the bet. Of course I took the bet, because that's lunacy. No, we're making the playoffs. That's what I feel about the draft, 10 and 6. That's called hedging your bets. That's all I got. 10 and 6 is what I got for the draft. Folks, 
I look at this and I say, like I said, I've reached a point of catharsis. You know, I, I had some angst, I had some animosity, I had some questions. We came here and we drank about it and we talked it through. And as I'm speaking about it and hearing it out loud, there's no way you can come away from this draft and think that the team isn't better now, immeasurably better now than we were three weeks ago. And isn't that the point of this? Isn't that what you go into the draft to try to achieve? You want upside. You want long shots at certain positions. Why? Because if not, it didn't matter anyway. You took a shot and you missed. At least you took your shot. But you did it pragmatically and still managed to land some players whose upside is so large that even if a handful of them pan out. You know, I've gotten used to being the guy who is so down about our drafts. And then the things I hate are the things that work out well. So what the fuck do I know? What I know is that I'm excited at what we did at the top of the draft. What we did in the middle of the draft will figure itself out. I mean, that's the Dawson Knox. I mean, we've got, we're all going to go home with diabetes, folks. Everyone here at this table is going to need fillings by the time this season is over. But the fact remains, there is no way you can categorize what we did this weekend as a failure. And even someone who's pessimistic, I have to admit that. So, with that said, I appreciate you all showing up for tonight's podcast. Nate, I'm sure you've got some post-draft stuff coming up. You have the wicked case no, of hiccups I've, right I now. I got hiccups because I had like four of these moose heads. <laughs> um, but no, I don't have anything post-draft because I deserve a break. <laughs> yes, you do. So where you'll can, be on the air Saturday. I will. I will be on the air Saturday. All <laughs> so, right, cool. So no. where can people follow you on Twitter, and where can they find you on the radio? At Nate Geary, WGR, at Nate underscore Geary on Instagram, if you want to see what my girlfriend looks like. And then... <laughs> um, <laughs> what an asshole! I love this guy. Uh, other than that, that's that's it. I'm, you know, I got some cover one stuff coming out. I'm going to do a series. Oh, God, I really do still have hiccups. I'm going to come out with a series that's going to be really overwhelming. It's going to give me diabetes. <laughs> but I'm going to come out with a film series on cover1.net. Okay, you get Of every pickups. Josh Allen game. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do a recap of every game that Josh Allen was in last year. All right. Well, there you go, folks. I'm done. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you <All> right. are. <laughs> you are finished, sir. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in throughout the entire draft series. It's been the most successful draft series we've had since the podcast started. I don't know if you guys have known that with your support, we haven't had a podcast finish under 700 downloads in eight weeks. Pretty good. That's a fucking run for us right there. Guys, it's all because of you. Thank you so much for showing up it's week in, week out. It's all because of you. We got some, are gone. He's going to croon. That was in sync. No, that was 90 degrees. I'm sorry. Folks, I'm sorry for mixing up the boy bands. Thank you so much for your continued support. We're going to break off into the offseason. This is going to be a great one to watch. It's going to be interesting to watch unfold. But we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Nate Geary. And this has been the Rock Pile Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.